Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they force players from a different era into a 4-3-3, or will they keep it simple with a 4-4-2? We'll find out very shortly. Our guest this week is a Scottish novelist who invented a whole new genre of literature. His works include Train Spotting, Filth and Acid House. It is, of course, Edinburgh-born Irving Welsh. Irving, welcome to your best 11. You are, of course, a Hibs fan. So can you start by telling us why you support Hibernian? Yeah, I have been uh, since I was a kid and um, I didn't really... I suppose I did have a choice because um, my extended family were mostly hearts, but my dad kind of <gasps> broke the... He, he broke the kind of chain and became the first sort of Hib supporter in the family and um, uh, I kind of uh, followed it in his footsteps and, you know, it was cemented by most of the people that I grew up with were Hib supporters and... Um, I grew up in Leith and in Muir House and everybody tended to be, <clears throat> or the people that, you know, in my street and all that tended to be Hibs fans. And we go along to Easter Road, so it was, you know, it was, it was something of, it was just part of the whole thing, you know, it was like what you did, basically. And they've been absolutely seminal to all your work, really, you know, in so many of your books and stuff, the fact you're a Hibs fan in the club. Yeah, but, well, I think it's like, you know, it's, uh, the club's so much a part of the community that you can't really write about the, the places that I write about without kind of writing about them. They're that important? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's like, um, for me anyway, you know, it's like the whole thing was, um, it was like, it's a way of identifying where you come from. I mean, it's like when Hibs won the Scottish Cup and everybody was singing Sunshine and Leith, for example. It just, you know, Great it's like, song. Um, yeah. It's just part of that whole kind of, um, you know, kaleidoscope of being from kind of Leith and North Edinburgh and, you know, and all, you know, other parts of Edinburgh too. And even even in your books, even sometimes we introduce a character and we'll say he's a jambo, which is the term. Yeah, I mean it's like the, you know Hearts as well. I mean obviously I'm, I'm a Hibs supporter, but Hearts can equally have that you know that kind of resonance in the in in Edinburgh and the city. You know they're part of that fabric too. I got to stop before John takes that question too. I, I can't believe I read this. That one of the names though, they're sometimes called the cabbage. Hibs. Yeah, yeah, because, but I, but that's because there's a rhyming slang. Rhyming reference. slang, cabbage and ribs, like yeah. yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Is this is this Scottish before. rhyming slang? It's very much an East Coast thing, and ah. kind of you know, kind of a lot a lot of the the, the theories about rhyming slang is that because it was it was um, kind of travelling people up and down the East Coast, it kind of brought they brought oh, it up nice. uh, back and forward, like I so like it, it. it is used a lot in. Um, 
Uh, it's used a lot in Scotland, particularly Edinburgh, not so much in Glasgow. I mean, the ones that are kind of... Um, the ones that I think are great are the ones that make no sense in English at all. Like, you know, <laughs> say it's like, like I was... I was Zorba the other night there, like, you know, I was, I was Sikh, I was Zorba the Greek, you know what I mean? It, it kind of made, made, you know, it made, it made no sense in English, I was Sikh, what are you talking about? I've got to be honest with you as well. Can't remember the last time I had cabbage and ribs. Yeah, you've probably been Zorba if you if you're eating <laughs> yeah, it too quickly. Right, like, that's yeah. right. Irvin, what are your first football memories? Well, I used, I, when, I, when I got asked this question in the past, I used to say it was like kind of um, Hibs beating Naples 5-0. And scoring five goals past Dino's off after we lost the first leg four one, but I think what I've done because Naples played in the same sky blue strips as Malmo, I've conflated that with Hibs beating Malmo six 0 on a pissing wet night, and we were kind of we guys crushed into the cave at Easter Road. Um, I think the first game I was at was um, I think it was sixty six or sixty seven. We got we we beat Motherwell two one, and I don't remember much about the game, but it was the next again. Um, the next again game, it was a 3-3 draw at home to Kilmarnock and Colin Steen scored a hat-trick for Hibs and Eddie Morrison and uh, Jerry Queen and Tommy McLean scored for Kilmarnock and it was just a great game, a real end-to-end kind of game that could have gone any way. Um, and I just loved it and I thought, this is going to be like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, when I moved to London, I started following West Ham and just, you know, it's like the same kind of disappointment well, is factored in, you know what I mean? <laughs> you really are a glutton for I know, I know, Mark, I know, I can't <laughs> help and, it, man. Well, that's a perfect description of, like, your first game, but I, there's a, so like your, your memories of football as a kid, I'd like to throw it, because there's an article in which uh, you met, I think this is going to be a record, that you managed to get yourself arrested at eight for playing football in the street, which is a lovely line. Yeah, we did. We got we all moved from um, Leith and Cannon Mills and the sort of tenements in North Edinburgh into the the Masonettes down the estuary, and um, there was no there was no no ball game sign. The police just came in there and they arrested and they arrested us. I let the six year old go. Um, I got arrested at eight. Anything, anything from eight to ten, you know, we were kind of. And it was we, we, right, we were up in court, up in the high court, with a criminal record. Uh, wow! And uh, it was absolutely, you know, Mo man got up and gave a kind of John McLean, James Connolly type speech, kind of, uh, you know, saying that is this what the police are actually wasting the resources on, and there's probably a murder going on down the street, and all this kind of, you know, and it was it was absolutely ridiculous because it was social control at its worst, and. Um, it's kind of, you know, and it's like all of us talk about that and that's kind of quite a, you know, to have that happen to you at eight years old is quite a formative yeah. experience of how you relate to authority, yeah. basically. So thank you, the police. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You've, helped, you've helped me. Did you, did you play much? Were you a player? Did I was play a terrible school? footballer. Yeah. I was a terrible footballer. You know, it's, it's bizarre that... Um, the only things I've been interested in my whole life have been football, boxing, and music, and I was t- rubbish at all. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like if you're rubbish at boxing, that, then you've got problems. Like you know, if, you're, if you're obsessed with it and terrible at it, that's where you start getting problems. Right? That's brilliant. What was the first game you went to, Evan? Uh, that would be Hibs versus Motherwell at Easter Road. Yep, um, and Hibs won two one. Don't remember much about it, but. Um, you know, the, the next game I do remember was Hibs Kilmarnock, the 3 3 draw. Um, and that was a fantastic game, end to end stuff. How old were you that age? Uh, probably about eight or something like that, yeah. Okay. Did your dad take you? Was that, how did you get there? Yeah, my dad and my uncle took me. In the terrace in? 
Yeah, on the terrace and on the old um, main terracing Easter Road, which was like they called it Shaw Heights because it was built when Hugh Shaw was the man was the manager of Hibs um, when they had the famous five and they were getting kind of huge crowds, uh, and it was just a massive kind of big slope. Right, it was like a section of Hampden Park basically, but chucked chucked right into the middle of Edinburgh, and um, it was huge. It was you know it was it was like uh, this extension built was part was built right to the top, and it um, it held about kind of fifty five thousand. Like, uh, did it? Who was the manager then? Was it would have been? Do you remember? Who was there? Uh, the manager was Billy McFarlane, who was. Um, uh, you know, he, he had managed Stirling Albion and he came to Hibs and, you know, he, he had a really good team. He, you know, he had Peter Maranello and Colin Steen and, um, you know, Stanton and all that was coming through, Eric Stevenson, uh, but um, Peter Cormack. But he had to sell... Um, he had to sell Maranello, he had to sell Cormac, and he got very disillusioned because, you know, of having to sell all these kind of good players. I remember P- Peter Cormac with Forrest, didn't he, I think? Yeah, yeah, Forrest and Liverpool. That's right, and he did yeah. very well. But you mentioned the magic name. You mentioned Peter Maranello. This is it's really strange. I mean, perhaps it's not strange. You, perhaps you understand why it happened, but Peter Maranello took on a kind of Pop cult status, didn't he? When well, he, he was top of the Arsenal. pops. Yeah, he, he yeah. was top of the pops. He went on top of the pops and he scored that fantastic goal against Manchester United. And um, I mean, that was almost like the highlight, and it kind of t- tailed off for him after that. But uh, he was an amazing player. He kind of um, it was like that. That when he came into the team, Hibs um, they won at Ibrox and they won at Parkhead, which had kind of been unheard of for years and years. And uh, it was Maranello kind of single-handedly destroyed both Celtic and Rangers in these games. Was he? And he was. They were quite a well-known sort of Edinburgh family, Italian family. Yeah, they were kind of well-known Edinburgh Italian family, kind of really really nice family, kind of sort of good people. And um, uh, yeah, and uh, Peter played for um, Arsenal and he played for Portsmouth as well. And came back. He, came, he actually played for Hearts, which we won't talk about. Um, <laughs> and uh, he played wow. for Motherwell for a spell too. Yeah. And it, and it was just he was this kind of good-looking kid when he had long flowing hair. He was a winger, wasn't he as well? So yep. he he just looked graceful on the ball. It was one of the that era in Scottish football. Everybody had a, a small right winger. Yes, who was kind of like you, you know. You obviously had Maranello. You had Jimmy Johnson. You had Billy Henderson. You had Tommy Trainer at Hearts, you had Kenny Aird at St Johnston. Uh, it just seemed to be a kind of job description, like kind of small right wing guy. Like yeah. it's, the, it's the John Robertson thing, the little Scottish skillful winger. When yeah, loads of clubs yeah. had them in, in England. As and, well, and, I, I guess it's because you're allowed to be five and a half foot tall and still be a professional footballer because you were you were the tricky winger. So it made yeah, sense. Yeah, you just couldn't get the ball off these guys. Yeah, you know, you couldn't. Yeah. Around that time. I don't know if you remember what it was, because uh, Hibs are famously the first of the Scottish teams to get the sponsored shirt. Do you the remember? Far, yeah, first, first with underfloor heating, first with sponsored shirts. Um, underfloor first, heating? First in Europe, yeah, we had, we had, we had oh, innovators. Yeah. First, first, first floodlights, first yeah. in European wow. Cup, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, but uh, it would be Bukta that was the first oh, Hibs. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Remember it well. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did, got, the, got to the semi-final of the European Cup as well. Got to the semis of the European Cup, yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, if it had been a couple of years earlier when the, the, the famous five team, they would have won it, but yeah. they were kind of very much in decline. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, stay, they still managed to get to the semis. Amazing. The, the I mean, inaugural I, one that Real Madrid do you won. Know Dundee as well got the European Cup semi final. Yeah. Big Cologne yeah. in the way. So, you know, it could have been a. Well, it was a Scottish team first that won the European Cup. Yeah, the, yeah all at their moments. Irvin, who was your favourite player as a kid? Pat Stanton, without a doubt. Um, 
Massively kind of inspirational guy. Every time he got the ball, you know, he, he thought something was going to happen. Um, he kind of, you know, he he, he def, you know he defended. He was box to box. He kind of, you know, he, he kind of um, launched attack after attack. Uh, just a, a complete leader, basically. And um, it's funny. I was at his. Um, he had a, a 70th birthday party just uh, last year in Edinburgh at the the Usher Hall, and. Um, you know, I was like, I was, you know, talking to people like Alex Ferguson and Steve Archibald and kind of, uh, you know, um, and all these old tips players, and you know, they, you know, they were just kind of singing Pat's praises, you know, about how good a player he was, um, and um, he was just, you know, every single game, even if the team didn't play well, he always played well. That was a good yeah. game. Yeah. Chuck Steen loved him, didn't he? he took him to Celtic for. And Steen Celtic loved fans him. Still talk about him as yeah, well. Yeah, Steen loved him. He took him to Celtic for a little swan song there, because um, Steen managed him at Hibs right, as yeah. well, you know. And um, yeah, and Alex Ferguson kind of made him his assistant at Aberdeen. Did? He was yeah, Alex yeah. Ferguson's first assistant at Aberdeen, so. Um, yeah, he's just got that kind of very quiet authority about him, Pat. And, um, you know, we, he's, he's also uh, a star actor he, in the Acid House. He was a barman in the Acid House. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, of course yeah, you had yeah. to squeeze him in, I've didn't got you? I've got to. I just got to get Pat in. Like, you know. Did, were you nudging people on set going, you'll never, you'll never believe who that is? And yeah, then no, one, yeah. no one knew or cared? No, they did. They did. I mean, it's like it was, the, the thing was, everybody was kind of quite a bit in awe of him. Like, you know. Really? Um, but uh, yeah, no, he's, he's actually the the nice thing is he's actually back at Hibs now as a sort of kind of um, ambassador sort of thing. It's it? kind of club yeah, ambassador, like, yeah. So it's great. Well, you know? You've got a bit of form for this because you love using your childhood heroes. Because I remember uh, you having a party once, and the DJ was the lad from uh, Bay City Rollers. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. <laughs> well played. Well, yeah, yeah. Of head, course. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, the basic looks coming back, so very timely of you, that was <laughs> well, it. Was yeah. Stanton a local lad? Were, were, were the Hibs team that you knew, yeah. like the well, Celtic Stanton, one, like locals? Stanton, yeah, Stanton was um, was kind of from Nidri, a kind of housing scheme in the, the, the kind of east side of Edinburgh, kind of grew up Hibs through and through. Um, actually, Stanton's uh, great-grandfather, Michael Wheelerheim, was one of the founding Founders members me, yeah. of Hibs. Like, yeah. wow. so, um, so, you know, it's, it's basically kind of died in the wool. Uh, Jimmy yeah. O'Rourke, who went to school with him, who was in the same team, was kind of came from the, same, the very same kind of background. Uh, so, they, you know, they did have that kind of nucleus. They always, Hibs were always about kind of, quite similar to West Ham, there was the academy thing, it was always about bringing through local guys, was very much in the ethos of it. Well, I was curious about that because of course you know now you've made the connection it seems that it is that of course Leith is you're the they're the docks team aren't they to, to a well, great extent here you so know there's this uh, and your dad works on the docks yeah. and so there is you this, mean like Millwall in, in uh, London yeah that would be the other team that <laughs> 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 you're repeating. good the spot job well done know, okay. <laughs> Mark West Ham yeah. Yeah. there's only one team on the docks in London <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, in a way, that's how I kind of um, started supporting West Ham when I moved to London because um, I stayed at my, my uncle Alec was a train driver and he kind of uh, he was a heart supporter and he moved out of London to work on the trains and um, and I, when, when they lived in Fulham originally, so they became Chelsea supporters. The family kind of started to go and see Chelsea, and uh, when I moved down there to stay with them, um, I thought, well. I can't really support Chelsea because it's like because they're jambos and kind of you know and it's West Edinburgh and I West, like, and I West like London. Your logic. <laughs> so I've got to move over to the dog side yeah. and um, and also for some reason I don't know why but I had a 
a picture of Johnny Aries on the wall in the West Ham strip. Right. And he was, Johnny Aries was, was never a kind of big West Ham player. You know, he was a, a squad player. Yeah. But he had a distinctive ginger hair with the West Ham strip. And, um, Scottish connection. And also kind of... Um, <laughs> I also thought, about, you know, because... When I was a kid in Scotland, everybody hated Bobby Moore because he was England's captain, you know, and yeah, the, yeah. World, the World Cup and all that. So I used to kind of, um, I used to kind of big up Bobby Moore to get on everybody's nerves. It was a kind of way of <laughs> winding everybody up. Yeah, of course, of course. So it seemed like um, I went along to my, my first West Ham game. It was a two-two draw ever. I think it was like nineteen seventy-eight, and. Um, I went along there and I kind of just basically got adopted by a, a, a gang of sort of West Ham fans. Like, you know, they, they heard Mark saying, what, what are you doing here, son? And then it was like, sort of, yeah, so they became mates. And then I kind of, you know, it, I started going out a couple of seasons and it fizzled out. And um, then I, I kind of, I went out with this girl from Ilford and her brother was kind of absolute West Ham fanatic, basically. And when that relationship stopped, kind of was back into West Ham again. So every time I seemed to be kind of um, drifting away. And I liked, I liked the idea originally of... Um, being a kind of generic football fan in London because you've got all these different grounds to choose from. Yeah. I used to like going to them all. Um, but I basically just, at every point in my life in London, I've basically just grabbed by West Ham fans. <laughs> and, and, for, and I never actually lived anywhere. You know, I, I mean, I lived in Hackney. It was the furthest east I'd ever lived. Um, most of the time it was Islington. It was kind of Arsenal, Spurs, territory yeah, yeah, in North yeah. London. But uh, I was just kind of... Um, Basically conscripted, you know, and I kind of got into, you know, I became a season ticket holder in the Bobby Moore Upper and started going to away games and all that. And just got, I've never seen them in Europe, which is a big kind of, um, yeah, so, you know, well, not many West Ham fans spotted. have, like, you know, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> game of football, that but, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's been, it's become a, a very big part of my, my life, a very big part of my London life as well, you know, so, um, I'm assuming that's why as well, that one of the stories in ecstasy is called fortunes always hiding. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've gone yeah. straight for bubbles, so well, yeah. well, you know, I've always, I think one of the things that's it's been great to me being a West Ham fan, you know, because you've just met so many interesting people and you've had, you know, and it gives you a kind of sense of community in place when you're in London. And um, everywhere I've lived, like when I was, when I lived in Amsterdam, I took an interest in Ajax mm. and kind of got into following them. And uh, when I lived in Dublin, I took an interest in Bohemians yeah. and kind of started going to their games. And it's it's just great, you know, because you just feel as if you're properly part of things yeah. when you when you when you kind of um, you've got a club to identify with in a city. Like Obviously, that. your your first yeah. club is always your own club where you kind of yeah, support of and all that. But um, that's where you're from. But um, I think you know it really helps to kind of. You, you, I think you really get the soul of the city you're in when you when you're attached to a football. It's a lovely club idea. Then. Touring the world, picking up football teams is a, yeah, is a great I mean, notion. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it's easier than picking up women, but I'm not quite <laughs> sure if it is. Like, uh. That's not for us to judge, Irving, Obviously, no, exactly. John, let's move on. Okay, I'm Johnny Owen, and with me is Mark Webster, and we're speaking with esteemed novelist and playwright Irving Welsh. Questions five and six come as one. Irvin, what were your match day rituals then, and what are they now? Well, I used to be very, you know, all these kind of superstitious stuff and all that. I used to be very superstitious, and then I kind of, um, I realised that, you know, kind of life actually goes on without you, and uh, <laughs> whatever, you know, the, the, the pair of socks that you wear doesn't actually have much influence on what goes <laughs> no. on with the, the, with the team and all that, you know. And uh, the, the, you're just, all you're doing is feeling your own 
you know, compulsive obsessive disorder. You're not actually helping anything that's going on in, going on in the pitch. And if uh, if you're coming with all this, with all, if you're going to the game with all this mental health uptightness, that's yeah. going to transfer onto the pitch. So yeah, you better exactly. just being chilled about it. So my, my superstition now is to be as chilled as I possibly can. Um, the only thing, the only time it goes wrong is can that goes wrong at the window in derby days. I get kind of. Um, Derby, Hibs Hearts Derbys are always terrible games. There's no football played in them, yeah. Mm. And you get so keyed up at the start, you're so excited. And as soon as it kicks off, it's like, boof. It's like that Carl Douglas song, Kung Fu Fighting. Yeah. You know, when it, when it goes, whoa, 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 everybody's like that, yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And as soon as it goes, everybody was, <laughs> it's gone. That's what the Hibs Hearts Derby's like, you know. <laughs> do, do you appro- did you always kind of approach the ground in a certain way, Lee? the ground and do you position yourself in the same part of the ground I'm notorious for being early everywhere I go really you know, yeah, more, you know, it's like I don't know why I'm just I'm, I'm a kind of early person like you know and for everything uh, in I life, used to all, football, everything everything, everything today were early trains well, yeah, planes yeah, yeah. appointments yeah. everything I'm kind of you know um, going to Hibs when I was a kid, I used to say, "Oh, it's like there's going to be a big crowd there. We have to get early to get you know." So this is like, I'd be, be ushering my mates through the tunnel stall. We'd be sitting there at one o'clock for two hours, like freezing cold. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so I was always like to get to the game a good kind of ten minutes before kickoff, just to sort of yeah. feel feel the ground filling up, kind of get a bit of a vibe and kind of. Um, and orientate myself. I like to orientate myself to my surroundings, even mm. though you, you you're there every week, basically. Yeah, 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 I still yeah, feel yeah. you know it's like um, the intonations are quite different depending on who you play and all that. It's nice to just suss out the feel. Atmosphere, of, yeah. Yeah. Do, do the classic of generation football. Look at the away fans for a bit. Watch them for a while. Yeah, like. just marvel at how <laughs> hideously about, ugly to look compared <laughs> to us beautiful people <laughs> on this side of the ground. Like. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> thing we do, isn't it? Like, look I'm at really fans. sorry for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and have you found a sweet spot that you like? Watching from because we all tend to move around stadiums, yeah. don't we? I think the you know redevelopment into stands and kind of season tickets and tickets and seats and all that has changed all that. You know, yeah. you, it used to be. You know, I, I hate to sound like an old dinosaur, but the, one of the, the the nice things about the the terracing is that you could mix it up and jump around yes. a little yeah, bit yeah. to different you know different spots. Yeah. Have we got a pub that you go to in, in for, for these grounds? Uh, yeah, we've kind of. I mean, it's like um, at Hibs. Um, when we used to go to Dizzy Lizzy's all the time, kind of sort of um, got um, done out into an actual, actually a better pub. It's the Two Milena. It's actually a, a much nicer pub than Dizzy Lizzy's, but it's actually too nice for some of the purists. Yeah. They go to that <laughs> so it's, it's, it's crossed now. the line. So a little, a little mob is kind of split in two between the kind of the chin-stroking intellectuals <laughs> who sit in the, the Tour Malay and and the uh, you know the unreconstructed headbangers who go to the the, <laughs> the Iona and I kind of flit around between the two basically I've not quite decided what camp I'm in yet. Do you have as your meals on match day changed? Did, did you used to be burger in a bun? Yeah, I mean it's I think the this is one of the one of the great things about um, and you see it more now the more health conscious you get you see all these guys that go out. And it's not, you know, you think, this is an excuse for guys to go on the piss football on a Saturday. Yeah. But it's actually an excuse for them to eat as much <laughs> as they can. Like, can you see them all year? So guys, that, they would never so be allowed, you know, they, they, they would never it. be allowed to eat this at home. Saturday, you know, like, you see them all, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it gets made early morning, ca- early morning calf, few pints and pizza. <laughs> and great, yeah. so you see them all, this is great. Then, then it's like the... Yeah, the the after meal curry and all that, yeah. you know. So it's like everything is, you know, every kind of. Uh, you probably you you have to. Cr- it's almost like you you cram 
your entire kind of bad health weakened to that one day. It is actually reverting back yeah. to yeah. childhood. It's what, it's, I, basically, it's what I do yeah. on Saturday. What was the end of yeah. the curry? Didn't yeah. It? yeah, and it's ice cream. <laughs> Give me that mouth, yeah. bar. Ice cream before your <laughs> chips and everything. <laughs> I suppose it's impo- the important part of your rituals, I guess, now is if you, I mean, you, a lot of time doing in Chicago. Are you Miami nowadays or have you, have you flitted oh, Miami, again? Miami, yeah. I mean, um, I kind of, uh, I, and I, I do have... Um, I can't take an interest in in football in America. I don't like um, the the the. But you like American I don't like the experience. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do like American sports. I mean, um, it, uh, American football support the Packers again because uh, the Chicago Bears is arch rivals, and it's great to you know living you in, in Chicago. Chicago just wind everybody up like you know. Um, I support the White Sox at baseball in Chicago. Yeah. I don't support the Cubs, even though I live very well. I did live very close to the Cubs ground. Um, my big team in Chicago has been the Blackhawks at ice hockey. Uh, they were you know, a fantastic team and it's a great experience going there. And um, I'm quite friendly with some of the family that kind of run the, the Hawks. Uh, and um, in Miami, it's a Miami Heat uh, basketball team. Course. Yeah, um, brilliant. Uh, Do you, have you found, though, those pubs that, you know, that when there's the live, you know, your team might be on? Is there is there a Hibs pub? In Chicago or Miami, have you, have you? Yeah, well, the problem is that the games start very, you know, the the, the kickoff time early. to start yeah, yeah. very early. But um, there's a couple of pubs that can open early, and you know, you, you meet, you know, the in Chicago it's usually about half a dozen exiles from yes, Edinburgh yeah, that yes, are there, yeah. like, but uh, you meet up there and have a, a few drinks. Like, yeah. I always, when I worked out there, I you could tell. I used to go like the ten o'clock game. It's an Irish pub in Hoboken. I was living, and you could almost tell how long people have been out there. By how old their shirt was, yeah, yeah, and how yes, it didn't fit yes. them anymore, <laughs> yeah. and because yeah. they'd arrived yeah. ten years, five years, fifteen years before, bringing with them their kit of the day. Yeah, and it and still it, gets dragged it, out every Saturday yeah, morning. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's expanding greatly. Yeah. The shirt stays yeah. as it was. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite piece of football memorabilia? Uh, I think um, it's a Hibs handbook from I think nineteen fifty-two when they won the league and. Uh, it was my dad had this like you know, and it was like a very it's a very impressive thing. It's like a little encyclopedia almost, like you know, it's just massive kind of full of statistics and sort of about you know, and it was a bit it's a bit ahead of its time because it's always like um, with you know then people weren't kind of um, massively statistically conscious. Right. It was almost like kind of home you know for against kind of goals and all that That'll and the score yeah, yeah. And, you know, but this was kind of um, forensic details about appearances and reserves wow. kind of appearances and sub- you know but there was no substitutes then but um, or you know uh, it was like it was just so much kind of detail in it you know and um, and so much the the pen pictures of players were so detailed it was almost like a page per player and it was a really thick thing you know so um, that's kind of the one thing that I've kept all the rest of the programmes I don't really bother mm. about was, was it your dad's was that your dad's book was it yeah yeah was yeah. it Wow, because yeah. I mean the famous five—they do loom so large over Hibs history. That's the problem. It's almost like your greatest team and period ever is going to be the early fifties. That's yeah, Is that is yeah. that a difficult thing to sort of that you'll never I be? I think back so. Again? I, mean, I think so. I think one of the things that was fantastic about the cup win in uh, two thousand and sixteen was that um, the famous five never actually won no, the cup. No. You know, and they, they you know they, the were, final, they were almost yeah. invincible in the league, but they just couldn't kind of. Um, they had, you know, just kind of bad luck and kind of the, the cups are not a kind of a weird thing, you know. It's like, uh, I think the fact that um, a Hibs team that was not even in the top flight, I mean, the first team to win it outside of the top, 
Tear uh, since he's Fife in 1942, I think it was. Uh, uh, so it was a, an amazing achievement. I think it kind of um, it stopped people, the, the subsequent generations, to just thinking in terms of the famous five. And I mean, you've got to say, as a Hibs fan, and I, and I know a few Hibs fans, to beat Rangers in the last few minutes of a game after being one, you couldn't have written a better final yeah, than one, could yeah. you? I mean, <laughs> it was fabulous. It was just, um, it was amazing. And it was that kind of thing when. Um, when we went, uh, when we went two one down, you thought, "Oh no, this is it all again." <laughs> you know, we just, yeah. but there was something about the way they just kept relentlessly kind of plugging back and you know, pulling themselves back into the game. Um, you know, McGinn was fantastic and Stokes was unplayable, and it was you know it was like, uh, and yeah, they just kept kind of grinding away and kept working at it. There's and, a great story um, I, I, I heard, uh, you were talking about uh, in an interview where. I think somebody said you were flying to Ibiza or something the next morning and you decided to party on through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of... We, but I, I had to fly to Ibiza and um, a, a taxi picked me up to take me down to Newcastle Airport and then I was on, I was comatose in this kind of flight. <laughs> and got to Ibiza, there was a couple, a couple of his fans on the flight as well, it was nuts. And um, then... Uh, I met Dean Kavanagh and uh, the, you know, and I just said like Dean, just I've got to bed now. I've been up all night, and, I've been, you know, and he's like, "No, get away! Ibs have won the cup. You're getting drunk with me." <laughs> and we just we started, we started drinking in the in the, um, the airport bar, and the, the taxi driver of us to tell us going nuts and all. So he got us loaded up. Um, we met, uh, you know, we had to meet Nicky Holloway, DJ Nicky, in, in the uh, hotel, and. Um, I thought, now we'll get some sleep, but, you know, Nicky's up. I'll do me a place. Ibs won the cup, didn't I? <laughs> Come on, son. We're on it. Got a, a half glass full of vodka and all that, so I couldn't kind of, couldn't off escape. to the beach, I couldn't escape, and I don't know how I managed to keep going, but um, I had the, the laptop out with me, and I had the, first the BBC um, kind of uh, show playing in its entirety, and the Sky version playing in its entirety, and... Uh, <laughs> It was just fabulous, you know, it was just like kind of, uh, I was just showing everybody, watch this bit here. And everybody was, the strange thing was that everybody was getting into it because it was just, it was such a, a kind of momentous thing, you know, it was like because of the, the this solid record of failure. Yeah. It elevated the whole thing to something it was one more of the than just a couple of cup final wins in the last decade in any, in any football sort of country. I think so, was. yeah. It was just, you know, it was, and it just ignited that whole community in a way that, um, you know, we, we were having parties right through the summer, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, you remember, didn't stop by the time yeah, you were there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, we had yeah, the Leith, the, the Leith pageant, uh, kind of the, the Leith fair was like, um, the, you know, and then. We had, uh, it was one of my mate's birthdays and we were in the Dockers Club and we kind of, you know, we, we put this, we put the, the, the video on. People have seen it so many times on the big screen. They're just like, everybody's just drinking, having a laugh. And in the last 20 minutes, everybody's just riveted again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Do you like, do you like what Hibs is doing though? I mean, you, what's your sense of where your club's going? I think they're going to. They're in the right place. They've got a good management, and uh, they've got Jack Ross. I think is a really good young manager, and I think they've, you know uh, Leanne Dempster's a good um, uh, sort of managing director. I'm not sure about the guy, the American guy who's taken over. It's early uh, early days for him yet. Um, I think that uh, you know the best run club in Scotland, without a doubt, is Motherwell. It's like yeah. fan owned, and it's like, it's like when you walk into that club. There's just a whole different atmosphere than there is at any other club. You just feel it's really part of the community and That's not in a kind yeah. of patronising way. It's yeah. just feel everybody seems to be that works there 
behind the scenes seems to be really happy and there's certainly a model of some kind of um, sort of, um, of of a way that uh, certainly a town football club should be run. It's quite similar to the German model. Are you a fan of that, what they do over there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just superior. I mean, this... Um, I mean, the Premiership now was over by November. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's dull. You're listening to the Best Eleven podcast from Talk Sport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. So have you got a favourite ever kit? You know what? I was never a big strip fan. I mean, I, I kind of... Um, I like the old, you know, the, the very first hip strip I had was just the kind of, the very basic kind of sort of piping, kind of uh, white piping, green top and the all that. The classic sort of. The yeah, classic yeah. one, and that, you know, that does me basically. Although, although I did remember you were on, you were on <laughs> Soccer AM once with a green t-shirt with 7-0 on it that caused yes. quite a stir on social media from yeah, yeah, fans. Yeah, 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 it did, yeah. I mean, it's like kind of... Um, Great shirt to wear, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous shirt. You weren't going to let that opportunity go missing, were you? No, <laughs> why, why, why would I? Do you know what I like? On talking the kits, I saw that, which which must be a great sense of satisfaction, is that the early, one of the early Hibs kits was Hoops, which inspired yeah. Celtic. Yeah, well, they, they physically gave them the, the kit. Really? You, know, you gave them the kit and half the players, basically, to start up. Wow, I, I like. I don't think that you remind every Celtic person you ever meet of that story. I mean, I know <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like kind of um, there's a kind of myopia. They say, like, oh, no, no, Celtic's older than Hibs. Oh, come on, just look at the club crests and just work <laughs> out simple arithmetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have in in amongst your kind of the Scottish acting fraternity that you've used? Are there any of the the the, the actors that we know who are famously solidly fans of teams that you could get nice and 
get some decent rivalries going when you're working. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, most of the... I don't know if it's a thing about kind of creative people in general, but um, most of the people that I know that are kind of, you know, that, that you know, that are actors, if, you know, if they're from Glasgow, they're Celtic supporters, if they're yeah, from Edinburgh, McAvoy's Edinburgh, they're hip supporters. Like, they're all, yeah. yeah, they're all Celtic. Yeah, they're, you know, and it tends to be, I think, kind of... Um, I don't know, I'm not saying that... Um, yeah, I'm not saying that kind of Hibs and Celtic supporters are kind of inherently more creative than Hearts and Rangers supporters, <laughs> yes, but I kind of am. <laughs> Is it, was that a you do the math moment there? Was yeah. It? yeah, yeah, I think it was. It was. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, we've probably answered this uh, previously, but I'm still it's an intriguing story because. Question ten is the best team. It's not yours. And I always remember in the mid nineties. He's got a list. Before I met, yeah. before I met, he met Irvin. He started. He did a bit of music, sort of stuff, like you know, sort of released some stuff. And I remember the label was called Bubbles Records. At one point, so I had yes. an idea then. That you you, were, d- yeah, you dived in, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Both feet, man. Yeah, like kind of uh, <laughs> lead with the chin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can't. You know, it's, um, I mean, West Ham became very important to me. Obviously, kind of sort of. Uh, coming down here and uh, being kind of adopted and finding that kind of sense of community there and um, yeah and Bohemians in Dublin you know it's very much a similar thing people you know, travel there like, to go watch that team you know what yeah. I mean it's one of the best atmospheres in football yeah. is to go down to the Jody stand and have a couple of pints of Guinness before the game mm. and then at half time have a couple of pints of Guinness yeah. and then kind of um, <laughs> and then sometimes, sometimes <laughs> and you can actually you can drink right through you don't have to go back into the oh, game you know yeah. but um, usually you know if you get chatting away with somebody sometimes you realise it's like kind of this there's 10 minutes to go but get, get back in there and then you're like whoa this, you know, it's just <laughs> fabulous it's just like and it's just really old school and it's like um, it actually reminds me of um, going to one of these old London drinking clubs in Soho you know we yeah. used to go out you know, the, the kind of you used to get the four your cans of the issue with your pound can of beer basically and you'd be standing there all cramped up and it was a great vibe and atmosphere this is this, the jury stand and is like that. It's like somebody's front room you're in. You're sitting there at this beautiful bar and you're just having a knocking a big long bar. Everybody can get served very easy and you're just knocking back these pints of Guinness. Sounds like a good place to go. One of the best pints of Guinness in Dublin as well. And apparently they play a casual game of football, which is yeah. And Ajax too was like I had. I was lucky to have been there the the year that they won the European Cup in 97 and uh, I was like um, it was also the the last um, year at Demir before they moved to the Amsterdam Arena oh, yeah. so that was fabulous like you know so I had to I saw this um, this kind of brilliant old school stadium that held 19,000 and then the move to this kind of state of the art yeah, kind spaceship, of, really, yeah, yeah. spaceship <laughs> place like you know but uh, I mean you know just uh, it's, it's it's kind of um, it's just been such a pivotal thing in my life kind of football and supporting teams particularly Hibs but also kind of um, getting involved with West Ham and Bohemians and uh, Asia would, would part of that be because I'd certainly I certainly think like this a lot is that if very football fans who support football teams find watching a game with two teams and that you've got no emotional investment in quite hard going so yes. what you've yeah. kind of done I guess is even if you're not aware of it you've given yourself a team to get upset yeah, and I think they, they, I think again it's like um Associations kind of pick you as like you know when yeah. you kind of, um, I mean, um, I've got a mate Paul who's a West Ham guy who, who's just moved up to Edinburgh and all that. I've hooked him up with um, a lot of my pals there, and he's become the other way around basically. So right. I feel that I feel it's a bit of payback because <laughs> of, of me being looked after. 
kind of down yeah, here by yeah, West Ham. Yeah. He's getting looked after by Hibs up there. Oh, that's nice. Like it. Moving. We've reached the final question. What is your all-time eleven, and then who would be the manager? Right, I'm going to start off with Rocky Marciano as a goalkeeper <laughs> in goals like can yeah. offer Marciano, is current goalkeeper, uh, Israeli international, and um, we've had a lot of great goalkeepers. We've had Leighton Gorham, um, and uh, you know it's, I've seen a lot of great goalkeepers, but I'm going to put Rocky in because I think we, you know, the the current team needs a bit of a shout, but also because I think he's a brilliant goalkeeper. He's done great. Like it, yeah. yeah. And, and of course, you buck the trend, have you, at Burnie? i having good Scottish goalkeepers. This is one of these w- rare phenomena. Mm, it's it? a rare phenomenon at Hibs. I mean, we've had guys that have cost us fuck cup finals and, um, oh you know, it's like, so it's nice to, I won't mention their names in case they are listening in, but uh, anyway, and um, fullback, John Brownlee. Yeah. Brilliant fullback. Uh, he, he was he was a he was the best fullback in Scotland. Much better than McGrain. Much better than Sandy Jardin. Um, streets ahead of him, in fact. And then he broke his leg, and he was probably on a par with him about after that. Oh, yeah. right. He wasn't quite as great at getting forward, but he was still a, a, an amazing fullback. Part of the great nineteen seventy two league yeah, cup winning team. Yeah, well. part of the seven 0 team. Part yeah. of the league cup winning team. Uh, they were they were amazing and uh, he was one of the driving forces he was like a kind of like a third winger yeah just up there and um, at left back I'm going to go for Lewis Stevenson who is a kind of sentimental one because he plays for the current team and he just gives 100% he's a total uh, great pro and fantastic guy and um, I just think that um it, it's nice that he has that kind of sort of you know that kind of recognition for and a rare phenomenon. He's, he's a one club man, but it looks isn't he? One club guy, yeah, like Paul Hanlon in the centre half. Yeah, you know, they're both um, stalwarts. And um, of course, he's picked the wrong type to be a full back in Scotland again as well, wasn't he? This is the yeah, yeah. back at Scotland. You know, yeah, yeah. No I point. mean, there's no point. There's no <laughs> point. He was knocking on the door um, at uh, last season, I think. And he, he had a cap. He's had a cap. He got though. a cap. Yeah, yeah he did. In Peru, wasn't it? But, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, again, it's difficult. It's down, probably really, the best you know, back in the world. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah. All we have is left backs. We have nothing else. McGinn and left backs, like, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm going to have uh, the, the defensive pairing partnership. I'm going to go for John Blackley, Sloop John B. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was he he played a, a great game in the World Cup against Saya, so, yeah, and yeah. then uh, they they brought Martin Buckingham back in. Who Martin Buckingham was a great player, yeah. But they should have went with the form horse and yeah, kept yeah, uh, yeah. slipping the team. I think, like you know, so um, so yeah. So uh, I would you know, uh, brilliant player, composed, very tough as well, like you know. Um, and I'm going to go centre half. a contentious point. I'm going to go for Rob Jones, who's a fairly recent centre half. Um, Kind of because he was just one of these guys who who kind of came of age at Hibs. He gave a hundred percent. He was a kind of journeyman player in the English leagues. Came to Hibs, um, and he was absolutely. I thought it was brilliant. He was great in the air, and he had great kind of control for such a big guy. And he had that you know that presence at set pieces as well. So I'm going to go for for Rob as uh, the defensive partnership with Sloop. Are nice. you a four four two man? We're about I'm to find go out. Four, four, two. I'm going to go four four two. Of course, I'm going to go four four two. My kind of uh, my midfield here is going to be um, Stanton, obviously uh, Frank Sozzi, uh-huh. uh Des Bremner, and Alex Cropley. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Stanton, obviously, I you know I love him. He's God, basically. You know, he's a you know, the, the the greatest kind of player that ever pulled on a football shirt. Um, 
a modern contender for his his crown would be Frank Sose, who is just an absolute uh, amazing player and who kind of revitalised Hibs. And yeah, yeah, you've been cup winner. I mean, he had a great Indian summer there, didn't he? That's that's the way you went. He was absolutely career, fabulous. Win the European yeah. Cup of Marseille and then go yeah. to Hibs, and, and it was unbeaten against Hearts, which you can't really say about <laughs> many Hibs captains, like you know, even as manager. Yeah, even as manager. <laughs> yeah, and um, I kind of. Um, and I, I put Des Bremner in as well because yeah. uh, Des Bremner was like a guy, you know, you're looking for a bit of balance in the midfield and Bremner could kind of really sort of um, do the business. Like, you know, he was, the European he, he was a well. yeah. European Cup winner, Aston Villa. And Cropley and I think also Russell Latipe, I would kind of, I would, I would just, I would kind of be a toss up between these two. I maybe have yeah. Russell as a substitute and play yeah, one, yeah. In, one in each half. Um, Alex Cropley was a great midfield player, kind of really could tackle, could get up and down the pitch, and um, could pick a pass. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's. Um, and then Russell Latapi, the local magician, kind of Trinidad and Tobago international again, just um, and a bit rock and roll him as well. Yeah, yeah. totally yeah. rock and roll. Him and Dwight York formed a par- partnership and a half, like yeah, an off the field partnership and a half. But, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you have to you have to have that kind of rock and roll element in the whole team. Right, so we put them two as a stroke, so one comes on for the other. Yeah, and um, I've limited this, I should say, to players that I've actually seen in yeah, the flesh. Yeah. And, like it. Uh, I, did, I didn't see Joe Baker in his prime, but I saw him when he came back for his yep. veteran second coming, and he was still brilliant. And uh, George Best was always was also past his prime, kind of, when I saw him, but he was, again, still absolutely brilliant, a total star. And the weird thing when you talk um, about him being past his prime is that it's, it's sad to remember how young George Best was in all of his phases of his football career, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, at Hibs, he was only 31, 32, yeah. you know, and he was, he was still brilliant, you know. He was, like, kind of... Uh, he had another five years on him, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. just like you know. But well, he, uh, he went to America, didn't he? He went to America. I mean, I was at his funeral, and it was just such an uplifting experience. It was all these Man United fans, Hibs fans, Fulham supporters, Cork Celtic fans, or Cork where the Cork City is about now. Uh, just all up there having a you know really paying a tribute to him, and it was such a great day out. Um, but. And then you know Joe Baker kind yeah. of sort of you know sort of huge sight you know went to Torino and then came back to Arsenal recovered from a terrible car smash with mm. Dennis Law, um, and uh, he's kind of you know he was a an amazing player and um, his goal uh, record even when he went back was yeah just, and always great, in the Forest yeah, top ten Blair fans yeah, always but you a, know a great guy a great guy when I met him as well and he was like. Um, a, a two-footed centre-forward, like, he just, you know, he, kind of, he was one of these players that he just, you know, he was naturally right-footed, he just practiced on his left all he, the time. And he's, actually, a, he's a great story as well, my own man who's there. I don't know if you know this story, Mark, but yeah. in those days, under the rules, you had to play the country of birth. Yeah. But I happened to be born in Liverpool because his father was a was a serviceman and he was brought up in Scotland so he had a thicker Scottish accent. Yeah. And, and the legendary story England, goes, yeah. yeah, you had to play for England. He, had to play for and England. he, he made it difficult the idea, to pick you know, him for, the, him for the, the squad. The idea that have a, an English know. national centre forward was bizarre. Play yeah, for England. Yeah. It's only the first player to play for England from the Scottish leagues, picked from Scottish That's leagues. That's right. Yeah. Was it that, and of course, it, just the fact that you got. By your own rules, which is I had to see them play live to get his kind of renaissance. Yeah, what a great thing that is! Well, I mean, fan, it, it is. I mean, it's like Best and Baker. I mean, what a, a <laughs> hero up yeah. front. I mean, if I could get, I'd get another substitute, I would put Steve Archibald in there as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he was another great player we have, and a bit of favouritism because he's a friend. But um, I would kind of, um, you know, it's like. Steve was another guy when he came to Hibs, you know, he just came to Hibs from Barcelona, which would be unheard of now, you know. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. Um, 
And he wasn't he wasn't on the slide. He was still a great still player. A player. And a god out there, even yeah. now. Yes. Loved in Barcelona. There's yes. punditry and all yeah. that, you know. And like, well, that's why when I'm in Barcelona, I always phone him up. So I know I'm going to get taken to a nice restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, you've got, you've got a decent bench guy in here as well. I'm putting Peter Marinello on that bench. As we heard Stick earlier, I on. clearly had a crush Stick on him. On. Uh, and yeah, the, so he's in there. the current Welsh boy who's ripping it up and scoring loads of goals. We'll have him in there as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, who's the manager then? Irvin, who's the manager of this team? Uh, oh, I don't know. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for Jack Ross, the current manager, okay. because well, I think you've kind of... Um, it'd be interesting to see what he'd do with a, a bunch of players like that, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got two of them. But um, You're bristlingly optimistic about your, your current Burnley optimistic. Team, I'm always optimistic about him, so, you know, with absolutely no reason, no grounds for it. <laughs> <Based on> <laughs> <that> <laughs> yeah. Well, it pays you for life, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? That's the thing. Listen, Irvin, thank you so much for Cheers, coming in. Irvin. Thank we you, really guys. really enjoyed that. The Best 11 Podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best 11 podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best 11 very soon. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.